gospel is news, not advice. The gospel, first of all, is news about what's been done for you, not advice about what you must do. Absolutely, the gospel brings massive changes in your life. That's the point. But in the very beginning, this is what it's about. It's not advice. The gospel does not, first of all, come as advice telling you what you should do. It's news telling you what's been done for you, what Jesus Christ has done for you. Every other religion in the world has a founder who says, I'm a prophet or I'm a teacher, and I'm here to show you how, if you do this, 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 and this, you can find God. Only Christianity has a founder who says, no, 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 I'm God, come to find you, to do for you all the things you never could have done. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Okay, here we go. Another time together. How's your week turning out so far? Thanks for being here with me today. I want to invite you to come on over and join me in the Facebook group if you've not done that yet. We are having a great time over there, a lot of people in that community and hanging out. You can go there and just join up. It's all free and ask questions about the episodes, give your comments or thoughts, or you can even ask questions about your own discipleship and community and applying the gospel in every area of life because there's a lot of cool discussion, a lot of smart people in there. Uh, You can either go to Facebook and look us up, the Everyday Disciple Podcast, or just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook, and that'll take you That'll take you right to our group, and you just hit join, and there you go. Zip, zip, zing. Also, I want to ask you again, if you could please subscribe to the podcast, that would be awesome. That way you'll never miss an episode. Like right now, if you've just been finding it and running into it once in a while or whatever, would you go and subscribe? Whatever device you listen to podcasts on, go ahead and subscribe. And if there's a way for you to leave a review and click some stars and all that, I would Love it. That'd be a killer way to pay it forward. And, you know, another really cool way for us to grow the listenership of the show, but also really just to pay it forward and bless more people, is to share the episodes with people. So if you see a Facebook post of mine or something and you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to that, go ahead and hit share, right? Or if you've listened to it, we've got a bunch of good friends like Barb who will often just be listening to it and go like, wow, loving this episode. And she'll just go and find the post and then share it out. So if you would take that little bit of time to subscribe, maybe rate and review the show and share this out once in a while, we can really see this thing continue to grow. All right? So I appreciate that. Well, I'm going to dive into our topic today, which we're going to look at the beauty of the gospel versus religion. And maybe this is one of the most important topics we could ever really discuss here on the podcast. I don't know. I, I feel like lately... I've had a lot of conversations with people that have centered on their understanding of Christianity, God, and religion that's kind of scary and sad. Like what they they think God is about, what religion, what Christianity is about, who God is and all that, it's amazing sometimes, but like sad. And it always kills me that so many people have been taught and still believe that the gospel is actually you know, what they've been taught about the gospel, it's actually quite the opposite of the truth found in the gospel. And what they really know is really about religion, which Jesus himself came to put an end to. 
So, so many people I know have not rejected Jesus and the good news of the gospel. They've actually, and I think rightfully so, rejected religion and a transactional way of relating to God in an effort to somehow balance out the cosmic scales of justice that they think he must keep on all of us. And maybe, just maybe, if they work at it hard enough, they can do enough stuff right to tip the scales in their favor so that God will bless them or their family or career or marriages. Ouch. Like that just that breaks my heart when that really is sort of the dominant understanding. And depending on how you were raised, and maybe if you were raised within certain faith practices or denominations, that really is kind of what people believe. And maybe even in your own hearts, right, today, in your own heart, maybe there's still a little of that religion lurking around, not the good news of the gospel. Look, look what it says here in the book of Galatians. The Apostle Paul is talking here in Galatians 3.10. He says, if you choose to live in bondage under the legalistic rule of religion, you, lin- you live under the law's curse. For it is clearly written, utterly cursed is everyone who fails to practice every detail and requirement that is written in this law. So, like, wow, right? So if you want to live under religion, you can, but you're cursed because you have to keep everything perfectly, and you, since you can't, right? Oh, yikes. And then add to this what Paul writes later on in Galatians 5.1. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What he's saying is here, you're free now. Don't go back to religion. So, and, and, and he really kind of, I think, lays, you know, the heavy bomb here in Galatians 1, where he says, if anyone's preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you've received, a gospel of grace, good news that it's finished, let him be accursed. You, you see, there, there really is a huge difference between the good news of the gospel versus religion and its corresponding supposed good advice for how you should live. And you know, maybe like me, you've read and listened to some or all of the works of Tim Keller, okay? He's a well-known author, speaker, and pastor from New York City that has really helped a lot of us understand and develop a much healthier, more accurate understanding of the gospel in recent years. And I feel like I owe a big debt to Tim for all the things that I've learned from him about the gospel. I can, in fact, I can remember the day I invited Tim Keller into my heart. <laughs> yeah, it was a big day. Uh, uh, but I've, I have, I really have learned so much from him. And he really speaks to this distinction between the gospel and religion in such beautiful ways. Let me play you a little clip of Tim Keller explaining a bit of that difference, okay? The difference between the gospel and religion. Take a listen. The gospel is news, not advice. The gospel first of all is news about what's been done for you, not advice about what you must do. Absolutely, the gospel brings massive changes in your life. That's the point. But in the very beginning, this is what it's about. It's not advice. The gospel does not, first of all, come as advice telling you what you should do. It's news telling you what's been done for you, what Jesus Christ has done for you. Every other religion in the world has a founder who says, I'm a prophet or I'm a teacher, and I'm here to show you how, if you do this, 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 and this, you can find God. Only Christianity has a founder who says, no, 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 I'm God, come to find you, to do for you all the things you never could have done. 
That's the reason why you have these crazy statements like uh, Romans 4, it says, Now to him who does not work, but trusts in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. Let me translate. It says, to him who worketh not, this is the old King James, of course, sorry, that's how I learned it, but who believes in the one, trusts in the one who justifies the ungodly, to him his faith is credited as righteousness. What that means is you don't clean yourself up and make yourself godly, and then God accepts you. No, not at all. When you're ungodly, in yourself, simply turning to Jesus Christ in faith, and now you're seen as righteous. That's what it says. You're seen as righteous in God's sight. In yourself, nothing. In Jesus Christ, everything. So, religion, the operating principle of religion is, I obey, therefore, God accepts me. But the operating principle of the gospel is, I am accepted because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. Therefore, I obey. You see how those are completely opposed? In religion, you obey, therefore you're accepted. You obey out of fear of punishment, and you obey in order to get things from God. But if the gospel is the operating basis of your whole life, then you obey not just to get things from God. You've gotten everything in Jesus Christ. You obey to please God. You obey to delight God. You obey out of grateful joy for what he's done. Wow. So good and concise. Uh, he, what, a, what a gift Tim is. I once told him that I was pretty amazed at his economy of words and how concise he is when he teaches, and that even when I try to completely rip off one of his sermons, it takes me twice as long to say the same things half as well. <laughs> and, and he laughed, and he told me I was the first person to actually admit that to him. So <laughs> anyway, uh, if you've never read any of Tim Keller's books, I want to strongly encourage you to do so. You will love them. They'll transform your understanding of the gospel and the good news and marriage and all this, right? And maybe start with his book, The Prodigal God. It is so good. And also his Gospel in Life series is an amazing group study for Christians that really, you know, want to go deeper in the gospel. It's so good. And so right now, here's what I'd like to do. I want to walk through a few categories of life and spirituality and compare the gospel to religion. Okay, and much of this I, I actually learned from Tim and that Gospel and Life series I was just mentioning. So let's take a look at the difference between the gospel and religion as it pertains to acceptance. The, the religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. But the gospel says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. You feel the difference in that? See, like one's kind of a heavy yoke and the other there's freedom in that. And, and we kind of do that to others as well. Like, we don't maybe feel like we're necessarily measuring up in certain areas of our life or spirituality. And so then we also throw that heavy yoke on other people. Like, well, you know, Christians shouldn't do this. And, you know, and so we don't accept them because we don't feel accepted. And if we believe the gospel, I'm accepted. Therefore, I can obey and I want to. Ah, it changes everything. How about the gospel and religion as it pertains to motivation. Religion says uh, motivation is based on fear and insecurity. You know, if I don't do this, uh, then God's going to punish me. Or I, I'm not sure where I'm at with God. Have I lost my salvation? Am I going to hell right now? What's going to happen? Is, is, is you know, something going to fall out of the sky and kill me? Or if I don't do this, I'm afraid I'll never receive this, so I'm going to really, I'm going to go to church for the next few weeks because I'm hoping to get a new job or something like that. But the gospel 
says that motivation is based on grateful joy. And you can see how that sort of ties into acceptance. I'm accepted, therefore I obey, the gospel says. Well, with motivation, in the gospel, motivation's based on grateful joy. Like my motivation doesn't come out of trying to earn or fear or insecurity. It comes out of peace and a stableness, not in who I am or my performance, but who God is. Man, that's huge. That's so different. How about with obedience? Religion says, I obey God in order to get things from God. And see how these kind of start to overlap? Yeah, I obey God in order to get things from God. It's not a heart motivation. Can you imagine if your wife or spouse, your husband or your kids or anybody that you know, you're in a relationship with only did things to get things back from you? They didn't really love you. They were kind of after the gift, not the giver so much. That's what religion teaches us. I obey God in order to get things from God. But the gospel says, I obey God to be more like God, to delight in him and resemble him, right? To show the world what he's like. I want you to know this freedom, and so I want to live like him. I want to be generous. I want to be gentle. I want to be patient with people. I want to have great faith and trust and ease in my life. That's how God is. He's not flipped out and freaking out, and he owns everything, and he's generous. Yeah, there's a huge difference there, isn't there? But when it comes to circumstances that come up in our life, religion sort of teaches this. When circumstances in my life go wrong, I'm angry at God or myself. You know, how could God do that, right? Since I believe that anyone who is good deserves a comfortable life, right? So when things maybe go wrong or not the way I want them to go, <laughs> right? Then I get angry at God. How could God do this? Or how could a loving God allow this, right? That's, we've heard, all heard that before. Or I really think very highly of myself, so when things are going wrong, I blame myself. Like, oh, man, as if I'm sovereign, and the fact that, you know, I exceeded the speed limit or hollered at my wife or my kids or something like that is now I just tip the whole cosmic reality of life, and that's why things are going bad, right? That's what religion sort of puts us under. That's a crazy, weird yoke. Here's what the gospel says. When circumstances in my life go wrong, I struggle, but I know my punishment fell on Jesus already, and that while God may allow this experience, this particular circumstance for my training, for my good, he will exercise his fatherly love for me within my trial. In other words, there are consequences for things that happen in life. And there are even things that are out of our understanding and control that we'll experience, but God does not leave us or forsake us. Jesus says, I will always be with you. So just like a loving parent, we discipline our children. Discipline, this is the same root word as a disciple. But hopefully you discipline your children, and even through the consequences maybe of their choices or actions, they know you're on their side. They know you're on their team, you're for them. But you're letting them experience the consequence of their choice or action, because it's training. It's how we learn, right? The Bible says that God prunes, right, those he loves. And so see what good news there is in the gospel when circumstances in my life are kind of weird or hard. I'm going to go through them, but I, I know it's not a punishment. That's not how God's not vindictive and like, well, you know, you skipped church again, you slept in, so I'm going to have to punish you. That's why you're not getting a raise. Or that's why your car broke down this week, or well, you got that speeding ticket. No, that's that's all religion. That, that everything we do 
is sort of a punishment or there's these scales that we have to balance out in life. And, oh, man, I don't know how I'm doing there. How about with criticism in your life? When you experience criticism, which we all do, right? Here's religion says, when I'm criticized, I am furious or devastated because it's critical that I think of myself as a good person, as being right all the time, right? Threats to my self-image must be destroyed at all costs. That's what religion teaches us and kind of keeps us locked up in. Yeah, when I receive criticism, can't take it. Because I think so highly of myself and my sovereignty and my goodness that I don't even want, I don't even want to know that you might think that, <laughs> right? You didn't even have to voice it. I saw it in your eyes, right? That's religion at work. The gospel says that when I'm criticized, there again, I might struggle with it, but it's not essential for me to think of myself as a good person or always right in a situation. The Bible teaches, the gospel teaches, we were created in God's image, good, right, and perfect. And my identity and self-worth is not built on my record or my performance, but on God's love for me in and because of Jesus. Let me say that again. Your identity and self-worth is not built on your record or your performance. I'm not. I'm talking maybe your spiritual performance or your spiritual record or how many sins in your life or what you've done in the past or how hard you worked at work or did you stick around and set up chairs at church or, you know, whatever. No, your self-worth and identity is not based on any of that. It's based on God's love for you because of Jesus, because of Christ and his perfect life. Now exchanged, right, redeemed. We've been, we, Jesus exchanged his perfect righteousness for our in righteousness, our unrighteousness. It's amazing. Oh, doesn't that just sound like good news compared to religion? And again, it just breaks my heart because I know that so many people live under religion and not the gospel. And even myself, because of the way I was raised and all, I am still working my way out of this. I'm still working out my salvation daily where I need to be reminded of the good news of the gospel in every area of my life. Like, and over and over. This is why it's so important that we live in community, that we don't do like a solo venture Christianity or kind of live isolated and I do things with other people, but it's still kind of like I live within my shell and my personal thoughts and mind and sovereignty. No, we, we, we need to live in community of people who are increasingly believing and living out the gospel and speaking the good news of the gospel into our lives, into my life. I need that. I'm going to suggest you need it too. I don't need good advice when I'm struggling. I need the good news that I don't have to earn anything or prove anything, that it's finished. How about with prayer? How about in the area of prayer, your prayer life? Religion, uh, with religion, my prayer life consists largely of petition, you know, asking God for stuff, kind of working down my, my list. And it only heats up when I'm in time of need, right? I only really get passionate about it or even get consistent when I, boy, I'm feeling like a need in my life, my family, my kids, my income or something like that. My main purpose in prayer is control of the environment I live in. That's, that's how, I, you know, I see you know, prayer if I'm living under the yoke of religion. Like, God's kind of like a genie, and I got to go, and I got to rub that lamp once in a while to get what I need. But, you know, when things are going pretty well, I'm okay. And if you know the story of God found in Scripture, right, you know that was the great sin and pattern that Israel got into. 
when when times were going pretty well, they kind of lived under their own steam and wisdom and managing the knowledge of good and evil for themselves. But when they got into trouble or other nations came in or they got, you know, under hard times, then they would cry out to God. And God would once again come in and save them and provide and care and comfort. And then they'd pretty much get back to living on their own. They just saw God as like a genie or someone, you know, like a a heavy boss to be avoided unless you need something and then you go and try to earn it, right? So that's how religion is in our prayer life. But the gospel, with the gospel, my prayer life consists of like huge stretches of praise and thankfulness and adoration. My main purpose is fellowship with God, hanging out with God, hanging out with my perfect, always loving Abba Daddy. You know why? Because I get to. Not because I have to or to earn anything or to appease him or that's what good Christians do or blah, blah, fill in the blank. No, I, I get to hang out with God, the God of the universe who created me and knows me and knows my heart and knows my needs and loves me perfectly. And he proved it. And he proved it in so many ways. But boy, if you need the big one, look at the cross. That's how much God loves us. He sent his own son, right? So that changes my prayer life. Like we get to ask God for things we need. But if our prayer life is primarily just asking him for stuff and we only come to him in prayer when we need to tell him what to do, uh, that might be a religious way of understanding prayer versus the good news of the gospel. How about with our confidence? Hmm, confidence in life. See, with religion, my self-view swings things between two separate poles. If and when I'm living up to my standards, then I feel confident you know, in life and what I'm attempting to do. But then I'm prone to be proud and maybe unsympathetic to failing people, people who aren't measuring up or people who aren't doing very well. Well, it's probably their fault. If and when I'm not living up to standards, well, then I feel humble but not very confident. I kind of feel like a failure. You know, I tried my best, but it just didn't work out. See, that's religion. But with the gospel... My self-view, my understanding of self, is not based on my moral achievement. See, in Christ, I'm. <laughs> the truth is, I am simultaneously sinful and lost, yet fully accepted in Christ. <laughs> wow! I, I'm so bad that he had to die for me, and I'm so loved that he was glad to die for me. And he, he was aware of my need and my sin problem, and he didn't wait for me to come begging and growling, but... How did God prove his love? That while yet still sinners, while still holding my fist to God, while still trying to be God over every area of my life, that's when he came and died for me. Yeah. And this leads me to deep humility and confidence at the same time. See, if my view of myself is not based on my moral achievement, but on Jesus and his perfect life and his perfect achievement and accomplishment at the cross, then I can live with full confidence all the time. And when I don't do my best or things don't go very well or maybe I'm still learning or whatever, I can live humbly, but I can live in confidence that ultimately God is in control and he's large and in charge and fully perfect in his love and acceptance. Oh, I, I need more of that. I need so much more of that in my life. Okay, and, and finally, you know, this, this area of our identity is so big, who we believe ourselves to be and living out of our true identity instead of 
an identity that we create for ourselves, and then work really hard to maintain and get other people to believe and salute and all that, right? Religion, check this out, religion teaches me that my identity and self-worth are based mainly on how hard I work or how moral I am. And so I've got to look down on those that I perceive as lazy or immoral. And I just kind of look down on them like, well, you know, you made your bed, now you can lie in it. It's nice to be up here. It's nice to be lofty and be a good Christian, you know, like who's in, who's out. So often people are, you know, they, they challenge me like, why do, you, why do you treat everyone like family? And you teach that we should treat everyone like family. I said, because God does. Because scripture teaches Old Testament new over and over and over and over that God created all of humanity and sees them as his offspring. Paul says we all bear the same last name because we all have the same father. But see, if we live under the yoke of religion, and so my identity and self-worth is based on look how I do, look how hard I'm working at this, then I have to look down on people and, and kind of worry about who's in and who's out. Well, you, didn't, you don't go to church, so you can't be in. Or you, did you ever say that magic, Jesus, in your heart prayer? Well, if you didn't, then you're just destined to eternal damnation. That's not what, te- that's not what the Bible teaches. That's certainly not good news. That's religion. But when it comes to my identity, the gospel right, speaks to my self-worth as being centered on the one who died for me. I'm saved by sheer grace, unmerited favor. And so therefore, I can't look down on those who believe or practice something different than me. It's only by grace that I've been saved. It's only by grace that I am who I am, that I can experience God's love and generosity and closeness, and I don't have to fear approaching him, and I don't have to fear believing that I'm his child, that I'm his dearly loved son or daughter. It's because of Jesus that I can live free. My identity is secure in him, who he originally created me to be, lived that perfect life, and now because of his death and resurrection, I've been restored to that and given his spirit to now walk in his ways and live his life. It's only by grace. I can't look down on anyone else. Wow. You see, I hope that all these categories and talking through this has helped you understand and maybe even begin to identify the difference between religion and the gospel and where you might still have religion happening in certain areas of your life versus believing and experiencing and enjoying the truth of the gospel. Yeah. (laughs) And again, thanks, Tim Keller, for your help in all this and for consistently teaching and preaching a gospel that is good news, yeah, and not just good advice to work harder. Okay, so... Uh, as always, I want to leave you with the big three takeaways from today's discussion. And if nothing else, you don't want to miss these three things, okay? And by the way, you can always get a printable PDF of this week's big three as a free download by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. And in this week, I'm going to give you the big three, and you can go and download that. But I'm also going to give you that full list of those topics that we just discussed and the you know, the religion says this and gospel says this sort of summaries. And I also have a cool little graphic that you can sort of print out and pin up that has a whole lot more categories and topics you can look at as well. So here's my big three for today. First, um, if you still feel that you have to work hard to please God and get things from him, then you're laboring under religion, which is not good news. There is no grand cosmic scale that God uses to keep track of your good deeds and church attendance. In Christ, you're a beloved son or daughter of the King of Kings, and you've been given full authority and privilege 
within God's perfect love, within his family forever. You have nothing to earn or prove. The pressure is off. Okay? Believe that, please. Okay, second, the gospel's not advice telling you what you should or shouldn't do in your life. It is good news telling you what's already been done for you. All the religions in the world have a leader who tells you that they've come to tell you how to live in order to get to God and get in his good graces. But Christianity and the true gospel tells us that God himself in the person of Jesus came to find you. He came to find you and me (laughs) and has already done for you all the things you never could have done. It is finished. It is finished. Wow, that's good news. And third, uh, I want I want to just encourage you to spend some time reading and praying through and discussing these different categories in life, the ones I just went through, to see if you're living under the gospel of Jesus Christ, that good news, or if you're still living under religion in any of those areas. You know, in what area of your life are you still holding on to shame or guilt or unforgiveness with others or performance, and it's kind of causing you to look down on others who don't perform in the same way? These may be indicators of places where you're laboring under religion instead of enjoying amazing grace. So again, you can get that download of the big three, and I'll give you that whole list and the comparisons plus that graphic with even more, and it'll it'll be a really good tool for you to grow in your gospel fluency and help others do the same. And also probably something worth kind of reading through and praying through with some regularity just to make sure you're gospeling your own heart, to use that as a verb, all right? I think you're going to love that, so please go to you know uh, everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three and get that right away, all right? Okay, so time's up for right now. Next week will be a really fun discussion, and I'll tell you lots of stories, and, and I'll give you plenty of tools and resources that you can start to use at home and in your community and church right away, all right? That'll be great. Don't miss that. Look forward to it. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.